Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Altars, Lesson 2. And I title this lesson, Igniting Fires and, and, and Our Sacrifices. And we're going to talk about the number one thing we should offer up on our altars. Remember last week, if you weren't here, uh, we talked about building spiritual altars and bringing our rocks and saying, God, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that. Beautiful image. Today, we want to talk about, hey, how do we put the flame on and what do we sacrifice? And the number one thing we sacrifice, we could sacrifice prayer, right? But the number one thing I want to talk about in this series is worship and just talk about the sacrifice of worship. Bring it out from a maybe a different perspective. I know I'm speaking to a bunch of worshipers, so I know many of you are incredible worshipers, but can, you, can we agree we can all take it to the next level, right? And I, I want to take it to the next level. And I just thought, man, just teaching it two times and beginning to teach it the third time, it just makes me want to worship God all the more. So we'll have fun as we do this uh, today. And uh, as I look out here and warn Boardman, online, TCI, can we all agree we have seasons we go through where there's some big problems we walk through and life just throws things at us, right? There's issues that hit us and life is always, you know, resistance, but there's sometimes when we really walk through really difficult times and worship is an amazing tool during those times too. And I was just thinking about a time in my life as a church will be 40 years old and Gina and I had the pleasure of starting Believers in 83. And so in August this year, we'll be 40 as a church. And uh, I wish I was 40 as a person. That would be really great. Um, but up to our 25th uh, anniversary, which was 2008, um, we grew as a church every year, people-wise, and we grew every year financially. And then we went through this little church split. And, uh, and then we went through 2008. Remember 2008? That's when the bottom fell out in the housing industry and finances were really crazy back then for people. And so I had both those things hit me. And, um, and I'm, I'm not going to get into any stories except this one. Uh, every month I'd receive a report of the finances and, and I had never seen red ink on our financial report, but I start seeing a lot of red ink, like 20,000, 30,000 in the negative. 40,000 in negative. Well, I, you know, I realize we can only go so long that way. But what it did to me, and this is why I share it, it's like the problems you have. It, all our problems have different faces. But it just made my stomach sick. It was like, it was just, just knocked the breath out of me. My stomach, and every month it would happen again. So my stomach would just get sick again every single month. So I, I knew this. I didn't have the image of altars, but I knew um, I, knew I could do this. I knew I could cast my care on the Lord, so I would pray and give it to God. And, and we all need to do that, right? But it didn't help. It didn't go away. So then I knew something else I could do back then, and I would just worship. I'd put mu worship music on in my room and just begin to worship God, and this peace would fall. It was amazing, and God would just begin to minister to me as I worshiped him. And so back then, I would take these long walks in the morning at Howland Park, and I'd walk over an hour, and I would play worship music in my ears and just sing and worship and pray. It was early, and nobody could hear me, and, and just worship. And then I'd worship at lunchtime. I'd eat my lunch here at the office, and then I'd worship in my room. And then I'd worship at night, and I'd put worship music on at night. It's the only thing that enabled me to survive. But every time I did, the peace of God came on me. And then what I didn't realize would happen 
and we'll talk about that today too, is that it also, when you and I worship passionately, it releases God to fight our battles and do some amazing things. And we see that with um, Jehoshaphat, remember? Uh, He's the king of Judah, and they have these armies coming at him, and, and they're bigger than he is, and he goes to God. And God says this, it's crazy. He says, put the worship team in front of the soldiers and march out to battle. Can you imagine how much faith that took? Can you imagine how much faith that took for the worship team, right? I mean, they're marching first, but they marched out and they just worshiped God and they sang praises to God. And and you know what? The Bible says God set up ambushments and God literally defeated the enemies before they arrived. And most of us know that story, but they came upon the enemies and they were all already beaten. They didn't have to swing their swords. And guys, God began to do that with me. I didn't know it. I didn't see it coming but he began to bring money in from sources I never expected. And he saved us and walked us through it and brought us to even a better place today. And I was just amazed to watch what God did. And, and, and I've just learned it from that point, no matter what troubles come my way, I'm, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, now I'm going to build that altar, bring those stones to God, and, and I'm going to just trust God and worship him. And it's an amazing thing. So we want to talk about that. It's not something we do just when we have a problem, but it's amazing what it did when I did have a problem, right? And so I have a big idea. It's what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. Our passionate worship brings God's presence. And I use the word passionate because it's one thing to sing a song. It's another thing to sing a song from here and just mean it. We'll talk about what that looks like. And when we passionately worship, it does bring God's presence. And that's not weird. What do I mean when I say God's presence? Um, You may feel something, you may not, but it's just God's peace, God's joy, God's strength. But it also releases God to do what only God can do. And God begins to do these amazing things in our life. And God created you and I to have intimacy with him. And I have found every problem a Christian has when it comes to sin or more immorality it's, it's connected to an intimacy problem. In other words, if they had an intimacy with God, they wouldn't fall into that sin. It's the most amazing thing. Do you know why? We crave intimacy. And when we don't have intimacy with God, which if you're intellectual, it's just hard to figure that out. You know, that just seems really weird, right? If you're young, it's hard to figure it out. What are you talking about, right? Intimacy with God. We're, we're going to show you. It's through worship. It's a beautiful thing. But you crave it, whether you know it or not. I crave it, whether I know it or not. And when we are intimate, it gives us strength that we don't have. It releases God's presence in our life. It's a beautiful awesome thing. So here's a great scripture. You ready? Psalm 22, verse three. Yet you are holy, God, Jehovah, the self-existent one, uh, the eternal one. Yet you are holy, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Just keep that up for just a moment. I want to talk about this. And you might say, you know, well, we're not Israel, so this doesn't apply to us. Keep it in context. Well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Listen, when you accepted Jesus, The Bible says that God grafted you into Israel and you've become one with Israel. We didn't take their place. Uh, There's still the state of Israel. There's still God and he's gonna deal with the Jewish people, but you have been grafted in and you've become one. And this scripture applies to you also. And so we could say God inhabits the praises of the church. God inhabits the praises of his people. And we would be 100% 
accurate. What I love about this is they're using the word enthroned here, and it's a Hebrew word that just means to come upon, to dwell on. It's a cool word. Just God just comes down on us when we worship. And I love the word praises. He inhabits, he enthrones our praises. It's the Hebrew word tehillah. You do not have to uh, remember it. I just want you to know I did some research, right? Uh, and it comes from the root word halal. Halal, most of the time, the majority of the time means to say it. Tehillah means to sing it. But all it is, guys, is it's passionate worship where we rave and brag about God's goodness and God's awesomeness. So, you know, we just sang some songs like that today, and we're just saying, Thank you, Jesus, for dying. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. God, you're amazing. You're awesome. And the Bible says God inhabits those types of praises, but it's passionate praises. So I want to make sure uh, you see that. It's very scriptural. And I want to show you an image. It's in the Bible, guys. And it's in the Old Testament. And there's so many stories connected to the Ark of the Covenant. Here's what it looked like. Uh, this is just, you know, a rendition. And notice the poles. Those are very important. And then notice the top. Uh, the lid or the top, we call it the mercy seat. It's, it's a type of God's throne. And so whenever you see the ark in the Bible, here's what it's a type of. It's a type of God's presence coming and being in our midst. That's what the ark represents. Do you see the poles? It was to be carried on the shoulders of the priest. Most of us know this. And why? What is God saying? What, is, what picture is he saying? That as a Christian, you and I have a priestly ministry. You know, not like the Old Testament priest, not like a Catholic priest or an Episcopal priest. Nothing wrong with what they're doing. I'm just saying every Christian is a priest. And what do we do as a priest? We offer up spiritual sacrifices. The Bible talks about this, prayer and worship. And that's our priestly ministry. And here's what God's showing us. His presence comes upon us when we're walking in the priestly ministry. And so the priest had to carry it. It's just a beautiful picture. And it, it's amazing what God did with the ark. Remember when they needed to cross the Jordan and it, it, was, uh, it was flood season and they couldn't cross it and they didn't have those army engineers to build a bridge, right? And so God said, hey, have the priest just walk into the Jordan. Can you imagine? Just walk into this rushing, crazy water. And they did. And what did God do when they walked in? The waters were pushed back and they walked on dry land. What sets a picture of when you and I worship, God can push a lot of things out of our life. God can work in our behalf, just like he did for Jehoshaphat, right? And so I want you to see that image because we're going to talk about it today. And it's a beautiful, beautiful image. So I want to talk about a Bible story. The Philistines, uh, they stole the ark and they brought it uh, to their God's temple. And their God was Dagon. And Dagon was the god of fertility, and he looked like a merman. So just imagine a merman, right? And, and uh, uh, so they set the ark of God next to it because they knew that was uh, very special in Israel. And that night when they were asleep, uh, Dagon just fell before the ark, and they woke up and he was laying down. So they put him back up, thought maybe there was a little earthquake, maybe it was a fluke. They went to bed the next night, and they came in, and he not only fell, he was broken before the ark of God. Then God began to wreak havoc because they were Israel's enemy, and he wreaked so much havoc with them, they just sent it back to Israel. So then it goes back to Israel, and David's the king now, and he hears it's there. So he says, let's go get it. But he didn't ask the priest. He didn't know what the word of God said, and he built a new cart. Well, it's not supposed to be carried on a cart, right? And so uh, he probably had some priests pick it up, put it on the cart. None of them knew what the word of God said. And they're 
They're bringing it back to Jerusalem. They hit a bump and this guy goes to, to make sure it doesn't fall and he dies. And so David, the Bible says he's angry with God. He doesn't understand. He doesn't know what to do. And, you know, the reason he died was because you had to be sanctified in order to touch it. And he wasn't in God's so holy, we have to be sanctified. I don't know about you. I'm glad we're sanctified by the blood of Jesus, right? So you could actually touch the ark if you went back in time because you are holy and blameless in God's sight. It's just a picture and an image. Don't worry, that guy went right to heaven and he's cool. God took care of his family, all those things. But David was so angry. And there was a house right there where it happened. His, the guy's name was Obadiah. And so David said, hey, just set it in his house. Can you imagine if you're overdeemed? No, not my house. Are you kidding me? And so uh, they put it in his house. And if I was him, I can just imagine he had all the caution tape, right? He probably had, you know what we do to keep babies from going down steps and upstairs? He had, he had all those in place, right? And he told his kids, his wife, don't touch it. Whatever you do, don't touch it. And they're like, yeah, just put it in there, right? And so uh, that's where they put it. But then this is what happened, and it's amazing, guys. It's a picture of worship. Uh, 2 Samuel 6 and, and verse 12. Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obadiah and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obadiah uh, to the city of David with rejoicing. And we'll, we'll look at that story as we go on. But can you just notice what I highlighted? The Lord has blessed the household of Obadiah and everything he has because of the ark of God. What's the ark of God a type of? A Christian just worshiping God, God enthroning himself on our worship. And so it would be just like Obadiah was like you or I. We just worship God. We wake up in the morning and we give some halal. God, you are awesome. You're holy. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done in my life. Uh, I like to throw some worship on a couple mornings a week where I just, you know, find some quiet time, and I just worship God. It's just, I enjoy it. Now, and you'll see why as we go forward. You know, it's, it's like you worshiping God today during the worship service, right? And what does God do? He blessed everything in this guy's house. So David's like, whoa, I, you know, I thought I was doing him a disservice. I, I didn't do him a disservice. This is a blessing. And then David had the priest teach him, and he learned, oh, we have to put it on the shoulders of the priest. So he goes back to get it. He wants to bring it to Jerusalem. He needs it to go into battle and to be a good king. And so listen to verse 13. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. So David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf every six steps. We'll talk about that. It goes on to say, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. We'll talk about that. Verse 15, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. So passionate worship. So can, can we go back to this verse 13? They were carrying the ark. It's on the shoulders of the priest. And every six steps, they sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. We call that vil, right? And so uh, every six steps. So I've heard a few preachers talk about this, and I thought, I'm going to do the math myself. So from Obadiah's house to Jerusalem was 10 miles. And, and I just took you know, depending on your stride, I just was conservative. I took 2,000 steps. And so if there's 2,000 steps in a mile um, and they went 10 miles, that's 20,000 steps. So then I just divided six into 20,000. And do you know how many times they stopped to worship God and, and to sacrifice a bull and a fattened calf? 3,333 times. So I just want you to think about that. One, two, three, four, five, six, build an altar, 
offer up a bull, offer up a fattened calf. 3,333 times. And I know some of us are fasting. I'm fasting meat for 21 days and just eating the Daniel diet, you know, and, uh, and just teaching this. And I, I taught this every morning this week, you know. All I could think about was Texas uh, Roadhouse or Chop House. And you know when they're open and they're cooking and you get in the parking lot and you say, oh, it's like, it's like, oh, that had to smell good. But guys, they're, they're not offering this uh, for, for their sins. It's, it's a worship offering. 3,333 of them. So I Googled, what's a bull cost today? Bulls cost $5,000 today. What's a fattened calf cost? $500 today. And so I did the math. Do you know it costs $16,600,000 for the bulls? 3,333 and 1,600,000 for the calves. So it also costs over $18 million. That's, that's a lot of money, right? But what I want you to see is not just that. I want you to see the passion. Every six steps, they worshiped and they sent up an offering. And God is painting a beautiful picture for us. And what I really love is that David, the king of Israel, is doing that. So take a look at this. Let's bring the scripture up just for a moment. Verse 14, David was wearing a linen ephod and David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. So I'm gonna talk about those two things with you. The linen ephod, guys, really important because he's the king. And when a king goes out in public, he has his crown, he has his kingly clothes, and they would have had all kinds of gems and precious stones sewn into them. I mean, you would know that's the king. A lot of bling, right, with the king. And then he would have had a cape that had a lot of bling, and he'd go out in public, and everybody would say, that's King David. You, you could not not know it was him. And the kings would walk out, you know, like, I'm the king, I'm the king. David took that off. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put on a linen ephod. The linen ephod was not what the high priest would wear. It's what the Levites wore when they worked in the tabernacle. So it's the everyday garb of, of a priest, a Levite. And this is what they wore when they cut wood for the sacrifices. They, they butchered the, the animals they were going to sacrifice and they clean and they did all that work in, in the temple. Um, he's just wearing an everyday Levite uh, robe is all it is. And, you know, sometimes they say he was naked, but he wasn't, guys. He wasn't in his skivvies. No, he, he was wearing a priestly garment. And that's a type of you and I worshiping God. It really is. Now, listen to this. Um, I got to thinking about this, and I try to always bring things into our lives, right? Your life, my life. And uh, ask, God, what does this mean for us? And, and, and just, I want to share some things with you that I think are life-changing and I know many of you are worshipers, so my goal with you is just to help you, like me, go, let's go to the next level, right? And just remind ourselves, we were created to worship in this way, right? But think about David. David took off his kingly garments. What's he doing? He's saying, my earthly status doesn't matter. And a lot of times, our earthly status will stop us from being passionate worshipers, won't it? That's one of the main things that will stop us from passionately worshiping God. And he took it off and he said, you know what? I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just gonna worship God in this everyday garment and I'm gonna worship him with everything I have. And I thought about myself and I just asked myself, how's that worked in my life? Because you may be here listening today and maybe you have certain status in society, right? Um, uh, maybe you're a professional with a status there. Uh, may maybe you own a business or may maybe you just have this going on in your life, that going on in your life. Uh, you're young, you're old, it doesn't matter, but you just kind of see yourself in a certain way and you want people to see you that way. 
And in order to passionately worship, we have to pull the mask off, right? Just any mask. uh, And we have to stop thinking about who we are and think about who God is, right? So here's what happened with me. I met Christ at 19 and I'm about now 20 years old and I'm going to a church that had worship like ours. It was very passionate. But I would walk in, guys, and I'd sing, but and, I, and there was no one in the church that loved Jesus anymore because I accepted him. I was telling people about Jesus all week long. I really loved him, but I didn't know how to worship at that time. And I'd walk in and I had uh, Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta hair, you know, and it came down right above my eyebrows. It's receded a little now. And I had it back. Then I had a leather coat that came to my waist and I'd walk in and, and I just thought, I have to be Joe Cool. I'm not saying I was, but I thought I have to be Joe Cool here. And I would stand there during worship and, and I would sing, but I never entered in. I didn't even know how to enter in. I didn't even know what that was. But all I was thinking was, I've got to be Joe Cool, right? And, uh, and so I sang the songs, and I would just gawk around and look. And I was single. I hadn't met Gina yet, and she was in another state at the time. And so I would look around and say, are any new girls here? You know, I can maybe accidentally bump into them in the lobby, you know. Nothing wrong with that if you're single, but maybe not during worship, right? And so, uh, you know, and then I just look around and check out the band and who, what, oh, look at that run. That's a cool run on the bass, you know? And, and things like that, things like that, you know, were going on. And, and, and I didn't know any better. I didn't know how to passionately worship. But the worship leader, who's an incredible guy, I'm still friends with him, um, he invited me with a bunch of young people all in our 20s to his house and we're hanging out, we're fellowshiping. And he said, hey, let's worship. He has his acoustic guitar. He said, hey, before you worship, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine that you're standing right in front of the throne of God. That's where I got that from when I say that to people. And it was the first time I ever did it. So I thought, well, we're all here. We're all buddies. And uh, my, my, my leather coat was already hanging, so I didn't need it. And, and uh, I thought, I'm just gonna do what he said because I love Jesus, but no one ever taught me how to worship. And so I closed my eyes and I imagined I was right in front of the throne of God and I worshiped for the first time with passion. And all I can tell you, it wasn't like heaven, you know, came down and knocked me over, but time stood still. Because usually when we worship in church, I'm, here's what I would do. Oh my gosh, how much, they're going really long today, you know. And uh, I got to get, I'm hungry right now, right? And then we got to hear the pastor go an hour. Oh my God, back then they preached an hour. It's like, oh, I can't sit that long and then worship for 45 minutes, you know. And so I just always look and hurry up. And so uh, time stood still. And it was the first time in my life I passionately worshiped. And all I can tell you is from that time on, when I came into church, I was Joe Bag of Donuts, right? And it's just like, I'm just going to worship God as, as nothing special. I'm just going to worship him as a born-again child of God, redeemed by the blood. But I don't care what my earthly status is. I'm going to worship him. Now, some of you, earthly status means nothing. What you're dealing with is what are people going to think about me? And that happens to all of us, right? That's never crossed my mind. I don't care. But, but some people do, right? And so I understand that. I, I have friends that that's, that's what they have to deal with. I know a lot of people, they have to deal with that. Um, and so what I want to say to you is, I think you should sacrifice that on the altar too and say, you know what? I'm not even going to care what people think about me. I'm just going to worship God with everything I have. And it's the most amazing thing. So now we want to go on in the story and and I want to bring some of this out. But can we talk for a minute just about dancing? Because I know you guys 
realize, you just look at me and say, that guy's a dancer, right? But um, verse 14, <laughs> no one's ever said that looking at me. Um, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And so when I was a young Christian, this used to really get me because I, I, I cannot dance. My feet are so awkward and uh, I just can't do it. And so we used to sing this song in the, in the 90s, I think it was, when the spirit of the Lord comes upon me, I'll dance like David, dance. There were all kinds of verses. But when it came to that one, I'm like, I can't dance. And I tried it and then I would almost trip. I'd run into people and the passionate worship would end right then. I just couldn't worship and dance. And so it really bugged me. So I began to study the scriptures and I found out, well, um, David did dance, guys, but Israel had what we might call folk dances. They were worship dances that they did as a nation. And I, I try to think of what's the best way for me to explain that to us. And, and this is not equal to it, please. I know that. But you know, when we go to a wedding and they do line dancing, you know, the put your foot in. And, and I've never tried that because when they say put your right foot in, my left hand will probably most, most probably go in. I'm that awkward on a dance floor. So I enjoy watching it. And when you go to a wedding and they line dance, whatever they call it today, I don't even know what they call it today. But when they do it, um, do you think it's odd? No, it's part of our culture, right? It's just a normal cultural thing. It's not odd at all. And that wasn't odd that David danced. But for me, you know, uh, to try to dance as a Christian is just really awkward. It's not part of our culture. I think it's great if you have a team that does a dance as a special number. I think those things are beautiful, right? I'm not saying anything about that. I love when I'm in a worship uh, service and uh, I've gone to, you know, worship days and nights at big, big venues. I love to see the young people come up and they're jumping and they're celebrating. I don't know about you, but I like seeing that passion coming out of them. That's normal. I get that. I get that. Just so they don't make me do it because I'll hurt my knee if I jump up and down, right? So I, I don't want to do any of that. So I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's part of the culture, right? And I don't want you to emphasize that, guys, because there's no need to emphasize it. Um, it's just, it's not necessary, right? Uh, but if, you, if you, you're a dancer, praise God, I'm glad for you, right? Um, but it's about the passion, and I don't want you to miss what it's about. He was passionately worshiping. He was tehillian, just worshiping God. So listen to what happens. It says in verse 16, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, this was David's wife, but she was King Saul's daughter. She grew up in a king's castle, um, watched from a window. And when she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. She did not like the fact that he was passionately worshiping God and she despised him. And there's something we can learn from this and we will, but listen to what happens next, verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how uh, the king of Israel was has distinguished himself today, going around half naked. Now, he wasn't half naked in his skivvies. Um, he was in just a priestly uh, robe, in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. So notice, she's putting someone that would wear this garment, just a priestly garment, she puts him in the status of vulgar. And she tells him, what's wrong with you? Here's what she's saying. You're a king and your garments should never come off. Those kingly garments should have stayed on. How dare you go amongst the vulgar common people and worship God? And guys, again, we talked about this already. That's what so many deal with. And it's like, you know what? 
It doesn't matter who I am on this earth. Before God, we're all equal. Can you agree? We're all holy, blameless children of God on our way to heaven, and that is awesome. So listen to what David said uh, uh, in verse 21. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord, and a little dig, right? He's human, who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. And then he says, I will celebrate before the Lord. What's he doing? He's saying, my focus is I'm just worshiping God. That's, what, that's all I'm doing. This is all about worshiping God and not about what people think about me. But what he says next is amazing. Verse 22, he says, I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. He's saying, people... Common people are going to honor me because they realize, hey, he's worshiping God. But listen to what he says. I'll become even more undignified and will be humiliated in my own eyes. What does that mean? He's saying, I'm not going to worship God as the king. I'm taking those cloak off. I'm going to become more undignified. Uh, all he's saying is, man, I'm, I'm going to worship God like this more and more. I'm going to take my kingly garments off and I'm going to become a worshiper. And guys, that's been my prayer all week as I prepared to teach this. And I, I had so many scriptures. If you go online and click notes on this lesson, you'll see tons of scriptures. And, and I just kept cutting them out because I, I, I like to go about 35 minutes max, you know, and, and, and I had to share David's story. This to me is the most important story. My prayer all week has been, Lord, just help us to become more intimate in our worship, every single one of us. And so I've been praying for all of us. And many of you are already passionate worshipers, but I just said, Lord, take myself, take all of us up to a higher level of passionate worship. Lord, to where we don't care what anybody thinks. And Lord, we're gonna see ourselves as a child of God and we're gonna worship you and we're gonna see ourselves as holy, blameless, washed in the blood. But God, this isn't about us. It doesn't matter who we are or what we are. We're gonna worship you because you saved us. You redeemed us. You are God. God, and we just begin to worship like we've never worshiped before. And guys, there's some things God wants to do in all of our lives as we begin to worship in that way. And the next verse is very revealing. It's just a picture God painted for us today. Listen to verse 23. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. And listen, if, if you are struggling with conceiving, that's not a punishment. It's never a punishment. It's something that happened with your genes. That's not what this is saying. Thank God for modern science that can help people conceive. But what God's trying to say is this, guys. God wants to impregnate us with vision and with purpose. And that's the picture being painted. And what God's saying to you and I is I have purpose and I have vision I want to flood you with. And the more you become intimate and the more you worship, the more I'll be able to flood you with it. But if we're like Mikel and we say, no, I've got to keep my status and I'm afraid what people think about me and we don't enter into this beautiful thing called passionate worship, then God can't do in us what God wants to do. He wants to flood you with vision. And so many of you have it, right? You have vision from God. God wants to keep filling you with vision, and it happens when we worship. And not only that, we talked about God begins to do all these wonderful things in our life like he did with Obedinim. God fights some of our battles. Guys, there's nothing like passionate worship. And again, I know I'm talking to many passionate worshipers, but can I ask you a question over in Boardman, here in Warren, online? Guys, guys at TCI, can I ask you a question? Can we all take it to the next level the next time we worship? Can we worship God, guys, like David worshiped God? Can we become more undignified and say, I don't 
don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm going to worship God with everything I have. And if you're listening, you say, I agree with that. Can we just take a moment? Can we worship God right now and just thank him and glorify him? Say, Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and what you are. We thank you, Lord God. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I know that whenever I teach a message like this or any message, God's speaking to people's hearts. And it's amazing how God says things to people I never said. And I just get excited every time I I find out about that Uh, because God is real. God speaks to our hearts. God opens up our eyes. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. and, and, And I really, really believe there's some of you God's really, he's really touched your life right now. He's opened your heart. And can we all just take a moment and pray this prayer? Can you make this dedication to the Lord? And just, I want you to whisper it just out of your heart and say, God, I want to be an intimate, passionate worshiper. Would you just let God know that's what you want? And then would you ask God, would you say, God, give me the grace to take my worship to the next level. And then just say to God, Lord, help me take off every mask that would stop me from worshiping. Because that's what he wants to do. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're praying, guys, I hope you you take this in the right way. I wasn't trying to come against anything. I'm just encouraging us to be a worshipers. That's all. Take it to the next level. And again, so many of you are. And I know even a guy like me that loves worship, I have to be reminded it's just something you can forget. Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, you made us holy and blameless and you made it possible, Lord, for us to be able to worship you and for your presence to come into our lives. And Lord, you know the mess we all live in. You know what we're battling. You know what we're going through. You know what all of our issues are. And Father, some are young and they're listening. Maybe they came with mom and dad and some are young and Father, they came on their own. But uh, Lord, then others are maybe retired and then we're all in between, Lord. We're all at different stages in life. And Lord, here's our heart's prayer, man. Make yourself more real and take us to the next level. Lord, that we might be passionate worshipers, Lord, igniting that fire and worshiping like David did, Lord, and seeing you do amazing things in our life. Lord, I know that every problem we deal with is an intimacy problem. And so, Lord, help us grow in our intimacy. And I thank you for doing that with each and every one of us. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I believe God's still speaking to people, but you know what? With heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're listening, you're not sure of your eternity. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to die. He's the son of God who always existed. He came into a human body. You know, he went 30 years just living a normal life. He was God in a human body, but he he ran a business. Um, He had relatives that got on his nerves. He had people he loved die. He just lived a normal life. Had to deal with the IRS of that day, the Roman Empire and all those things, guys. The Bible says he was tempted in every way as us, but he didn't sin. But then about 30, he showed us God for a little bit over three years. And he did all these miracles. And then everybody wanted to crown him king. And he said, no, I have to go. I have to go. And he died. That's what he came to do. He died for the sins of the whole world. And God had him buried. He was buried for three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. And then he was raised from the dead. And he's alive. The Bible says... That's God's way of salvation. Whoever calls on his name, the Lord will save them. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, I'm not asking you 
if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you made it personal with Jesus? And if not, why not right now? I can't force you, but man, if God's touched your heart, why not pray with me right now? Everybody else, can we help them pray? Would you help me pray right now? Let's pray with them. If you're praying for the first time, simply mean it. Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a savior. I repent of my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. I accept you as my savior. I declare you're my Lord and I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Now say this after me. Say, Father, give me the grace, your ability to follow you and give me the grace to be a passionate worshiper. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.